this is Evelyn and this is Life Over Matter Podcast. Thank you for joining me for another episode. Today I'm going to be uncovering something that's a little bit of an uncomfortable topic for people and that is weaknesses, right? Ah, The word even makes me cringe a little bit but the truth of the matter is that nobody is perfect and I am 100% cognizant of my weaknesses. As a matter of fact, I figure out new weaknesses every day as I do strengths, of course. And part of recognizing and putting in place plans to become stronger from your weaknesses is understanding that growth is going to happen and that it facilitates a comfortability of people around you when you can admit that you're not great at things. Not all things. Some things you're awesome at, but there are times where you could come through a little stronger than what you are. And that's what's happening to me Uh, all the time, every day, forever, right? I uh, wanted to make an episode about weaknesses because... I would like to become more comfortable with recognizing that I have weaknesses, where they're at, how to become stronger, how to practice the art of some of the things that I would like to do someday. I I mean, stepping stones, if you will. Uh, I can't just start making, you know hole-in-ones, you know, right off the bat. I've got to follow the stepping stones in order to do that. If you follow me on my Life Over Matter podcast page on Instagram, you'll see that I posted some free classes that I'm taking at a version of Harvard. I don't think that it is the Harvard, but it's free online classes. I'm even taking a couple classes at Stanford right now, which is awesome and sounds so pinky up. But at the in the long and short of it, I didn't get accepted to anything. I also am not paying paying anything. They are free classes that anybody can uh, anybody can take advantage of. So I put some of the information on how to get connected with that on my Life Over Matter podcast Instagram page, but those are just a couple things that I'm doing to try to better myself. Now you guys know that I'm on this constant dieting cycle where I am changing up the recipes in my menu. I am trying different exercises to burn more calories. I am trying different foods to try a lower lower carb or a higher protein. I am trying all kinds of things to better budget my diet, better time manage my food portioning, right? Uh, because self-care Sunday goes by so quickly, especially this one. At the time of recording this, we lost an hour and, um, you know, it just seemed like everything was boom, boom, boom. Day is done. Kind of goes back to the last episode that we did where it's just so hard to grab a hold of every minute, right? And so if you guys are listening to these in succession, that would be really awesome because then you understand that weaknesses come with the territory, right? And and time goes by so quickly that you don't realize where you fall short most of the time. And if you can recognize where you can improve, that's the first step, right? And so today I'm going to be going over a Forbes article with you on recognizing your weaknesses. And uh, if you are having a hard time, what to do about that, right? Because every day, is hope for a better day than the one previous, or at least just as good as the last best day, right? So for me, I 
just have found a new slew of things that I wish I was better at. Uh, every single week, I'm like, oh man, I, uh, I found out this week, just for an example, I had been doing like 6,000 steps, which for me, I'm 250 pounds. Uh, and the last time I weighed myself, which was four months ago in December, I was 250 pounds. I'm 5'2", just to give you guys some perspective, okay? Uh, now, I'm, I might be less than 250 pounds, and I might be much less, but I had made the decision that I wasn't going to be weighing myself because I was working so hard on my diet that if I weighed myself after a few months and I hadn't lost any weight, I was going to be really discouraged, and that's all that I need with my temperament to go back to eating bad things every day. And so I have not weighed myself, but at last check, which was four months ago, I weighed 250 pounds total transparency, uh, because I'm making active, um, strides to better that fact, I am not ashamed of sharing it because it is in fact a weakness of mine. Uh, in order to conquer that, I have been walking every day. Sometimes I braid in some additional workouts and things like that. Like I'm really feeling Beyonce's new album right now, which is the Renaissance album. And it is super fast from start to finish. And so I do choreographed dance. For those of you who don't know me, I, I danced for a long time in my youth. Uh, and it's my preferred way of burning calories. I'm, you know, pretty flexible, which is awesome. It never left me. And I just... It, it's not even like it's exercise for me when I'm dancing. It just feels like, you know, I'm just passing the time and, and music is one of my passions. I love it. And so, um, you know, that's, that's one of my things, but walking is the other. And I could literally walk the entire, uh, community if I had to, like I, I, I or if I lose track of time rather. Anyway, so I was so proud of myself. I was like, okay, I'm doing like over 6,000 steps and, you know, that's a, a couple miles and I feel really good about that and not bad after four months. Like really patting myself on the back for that, which to be clear is worth, you know, patting yourself on the back for initially because I could have just been sitting on the couch eating chips. But I found out uh, I was in a meeting with someone from work and they were talking about how they do 5,000 steps in the morning and at least 5,000 steps in the evening. And I don't, I know that not everybody who listens to this podcast is on a diet, so you may not be able to relate with this example, but it's just for an example in my own life. So anyway, I look it up and I'm like, how many steps do you need to burn to be able to start losing weight from it or to start significantly burning enough calories that it's impacting the amount of calories that you've taken in during the day. And it said at least 10,000. So again, while an awesome case scenario that I was doing at least six, 7,000 every day and I was exhausted and sweaty and sore, right? But it said that in order to walk and lose weight, you had to do at least 10,000 steps. So now I know different, right? That was a weakness. I found it. I issued it. I researched it and issued it, right? And now I've remedied it. 
my new weakness with it though is that there's not enough time in the day like if I wake up in the morning I do you know as much as I can and then I work a full day and then you know do all the dinner stuff and all that stuff and then afterwards I've got to find a couple hours to exercise some more because I don't know if anybody listening has ever done over 10,000 steps before and you're 5'2 and you've got these short little legs like I do but it takes a long time to walk that far as a matter of fact I was doing a workout to the renaissance album in the living room one day and I've got cameras all over my place And I thought I was nailing it. I was killing the game, right? I was dancing. I was sweating. I had my headband on. I was rocking. I had the house to myself. All was well, right? I was rocking. I I could feel my heart beating. It was great. I decided afterwards to watch a clip of (laughs) of the surveillance camera. And I was moving at like a snail's pace. Like in my brain, I'm a totally different person than my skin suit suggests. And I don't know if anybody else is experiencing that or any type of that or anything, but that is my weakness. You know, I guess not a weakness because my soul is very strong, but a weakness because my my outer me is not the person that matches up with my inner me, if that makes sense. And that's just one of the things, you know. I work with some incredibly intelligent people that are super duper great with putting together numbers and figures and they can identify them very quickly. Uh, Whereas I'm the personality, I'm the reader, I'm the understander, the researcher, you know. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, And so... I am always striving to be more analytical and break things down, you know, stronger and more solid, uh, if that makes sense, uh, more functionally. Uh, so, I mean, I've got them across the board. Um, my memory, sometimes I find that, you know, certain things I remember exactly what I was wearing, what I was talking about, what song was playing in the background, and then certain types of memories I am very gray area on. I, uh, either don't remember them at all, uh, uh, depending on significance, I guess, or I just remember different like I'll remember a detail or two. I won't remember everything. And that's an issue for me too, because some things I know in my heart that they meant a lot to me. And when your brain lets those things go, it makes you wonder, right? How do I make my brain a little bit more cognitive? Something that I've done is I started taking Nareva. I don't know if you're familiar, but if you're not, they sell it on Amazon and I think they sell it at the grocery store. It's pricey. I've probably talked about it in this podcast before because I started taking it on January 2nd, actually, when I started this revamp of the resolutions, right? I love it. I saw a significant difference on day two of taking it and I added it in with my vitamins that I take from my VSG surgery my bariatric vitamins that I take every day and it has been a game changer like I just don't even see the clock at five o'clock most days and I just keep working because I'm enjoying what I'm doing so much I have all of these creative juices that are flowing all the time and I am remembering things a little bit better and I'm seeing things a little bit more clear, you know, with the thyroid disease, you get the fog brain and I've talked about that and 
So I highly recommend Nareva. Like I said, it's not cheap though. It's well, not for me. It's $30 a month when you're buying all these other vitamins, bariatric vitamins. It can get expensive to add another one to the roster for $30 a month. But at the same time, once I experienced how awesome it was, it was definitely worth every penny. I also got my mom and my stepdad on it and they're remembering things better and they're being a little bit more you know sharp and uh, quick to respond and things like that which is awesome Uh, so that was one of the steps that I took Um, but that's just that's just me and I still have all of these places that I'm trying to um, make a, a significant change in forms of becoming stronger as a person inside and out Uh, But I'm going to break it down with this Forbes article right after this message. So grab yourself a drink, get yourself nice and comfortable, and I will continue right after this. Thank you so much for sticking with me. We are back, and this is Life Over Matter podcast, and we are continuing talking about weaknesses today, and I've admitted to you guys a couple of really significant weaknesses that I have. I mean, I could list them for ages. I have a lot of strengths, too, uh, but today I really want to get over the matter of life that is my weaknesses and learning how to deal with them a little bit more constructively, and so in order to do that, I've got to share it with you, too, because it's part of the journey, uh, and I'm going to be reading some articles, um, some information that I've gotten some from some articles, rather, uh, from Forbes magazine, and it's the online publication for Forbes, and it's on better ways that we can address our weaknesses, right? And I'm going to use some of these lessons and I'm going to apply them to my life and hopefully I can have less weaknesses and more strengths every day. Uh, I know that new ones will come up and I know that uh, new strengths will peak their beautiful heads as well. So it's all about the strength that we build within our character, right? Or at least that's what it means to me. So I'm going to get started. Number one is too much will, too little balance. Willpower is a game of balance and balance is a game of sustainability. The fitness industry knows this acutely well. Every new year, fitness centers experience an explosion of new memberships around January 1st. Walk into any gym the first couple weeks of the new year and you'll see it happening. People are everywhere as if the concept of fitness was just discovered. But as the days and weeks pass, those numbers lessen. A couple of months into the year and the crowds even out. Pretty soon, getting on the lat pull-down machine doesn't require standing in a line. We're all prone to thinking willpower is all or nothing. One of the many cognitive distortions we regularly indulge and easily forget that without building balance into our plan, the most ferocious explosion of will is not sustainable. Number two, dreaded restraint bias. Insidiously, our brains are prone to overestimating our willpower at the very points at which we're most liable to take a fall. Whenever you think that you've mastered a temptation, compulsion, or condition, check yourself. If you once again begin exposing yourself to the object of your weakness, be it junk food, smoking, gambling, or other, research and anecdotal experience predicts a backslide. Number three, 
self-control runs low. We begin our day with energy reserves and enhanced focus. But as the day wears on and that energy runs lower, so does our self-control. Research suggests that people least likely to cheat during the day are most likely to cheat at night on their diets. This is just because your will feels indomitable at noon doesn't mean that it will be at midnight. Keep your eye on the fuel gauge and don't overestimate your last day. Late day resolve. Number four, cognitive load saps resources. Part of what saps our energy is how much fuel our brain consumes to get us through the day. Around 25% of the body's circulating blood glucose. The more mental stress that we face, the more fuel is needed. That's less energy devoted to self-control when you need it the most. For most of us, our cognitive load is only going one way, up. Number five, entrenched patterns are consistently fierce. Imagine yourself running up an escalator that's going down. And the faster you run, the faster the escalator moves. You may eventually make it to the top, no doubt, exhausted, or you may simply run in place or worse, fall backwards to the floor. The escalator represents the entrenched mental patterns that you're running against whenever you exert your will. They've been there for a long time, longer than you realize, and they are formidably resilient. Changing patterns requires some long game thinking. And that's true, I I find myself doing the long game thinking uh, more and more, actually, when I'm anticipating the outcome of something, right? So I think about when I when I did my refinance that I was telling you guys about, like, just how is this going to impact me in the long run? You know, making financial decisions, making health decisions. How is this going to impact me in the long run? I threw around the idea of plastics for a little bit. I'm not sure if I mentioned it to you guys on here. But when you have VHD surgery, you lose a lot of weight very quickly. And it leaves a lot of extra skin, especially if you're above a certain age, I feel, in some of the people that I've talked to and research that I've done. Anyway, um, you know, that long process is something that when you do think about that, ahead of time and you prepare yourself for it, which if you listen to some of my first episodes, you'll you'll hear that I'm very um, adamant about looking at like the end result of things uh, and planning for those and getting excited about those. I love anticipatory events. I can't get enough of them. So uh, the long process does help me a lot when it comes to those weaknesses. So it helps me with my diet. It helps me with my life, my relationships, uh, being a role model, a mentor, leadership development, like the whole gamut. Number six, automatic thoughts sabotage progress. How do so many seemingly strong people still fail despite their bluster and bravado? Much of the time, it's not an external force, but the enemy within that takes them down. Your unconscious percolates what pioneering psychologist Aaron Beck calls automatic thoughts throughout the day, and we really don't know why. But we do know that many of these thoughts are negative, self-defeating, and downright toxic. The more real those thoughts become in perception, the more they define your action. Perhaps no one said it better than the great Stoic philosopher Marcus Aurelius. Such as are your habitual thoughts. Such also will be the character of your mind. Number seven, 
damned independence. To say that no one is an island is a vast understatement. We may think of ourselves as independent, but we've evolved to be socially interdependent. The one man or one woman juggernaut of Will is a compelling popular myth that makes for a good action movie, but it's completely wrong anywhere else. If you think going it alone is a good idea, be ready to fail alone as well. Number eight, the introspection illusion. So you say that you want to grab the controls of your unconscious mind, that immense modular processing system that we're only starting to truly understand, and will yourself above around any past obstacle? Good luck with that. Introspection is a decent focus practice, as is meditation, that can better prepare you from getting from A to B. But none of us will ever thoroughly control our minds and bypass hard work and failure before succeeding. Indeed, it's alarming to realize how much is out of our control. Number nine, looked so good on paper. Margaret Thatcher, the iconic Iron Lady, famously said, plan your work for today and every day, then work your plan. And that's good advice. But it should be balanced with an observation from Mike Tyson, the iconic iron jawbreaker who said, everyone has a plan till they get punched in the mouth. Just because a plan or a mission looks perfect doesn't mean it'll work. It simply means that you've determined that you'll think it'll work. Our brains value stability and certainty over instability and uncertainty. So a plan and free fall failure is an uncomfortable thing to accept. Hence the need for internal change management. You can't will a plan to success, but you can exercise will to adjust your course as needed. Number 10. Sleep deprivation handicaps best efforts. You may have a strong will, a tremendous plan and great ideas. But if you're not getting enough quality sleep, it'll all be for naught. Research has shown that shorting yourself on sleep has the effect of burning out your cerebral circuits. In very real sense, our brains overheat without enough sleep. The outcome is slower processing power, less mental energy, and hair trigger irritability when things don't go well, which is not a prescription for willpower success. Number 11. Underestimation of foods and other chemicals effects. If you're engaging willpower to break free from certain foods or anything else that's ingested, you're wise to recognize the power of your adversary and not forget it. The reason it's hard to swallow, your brain is complicit in your failures. The reason why these things are so hard to drop is that your brain's reward center wants them. It wants the dopamine release that they trigger, and it's not going to want to stop without a degree of hardship that most of us underestimate. Knowing these reasons why your brain won't let go helps direct your efforts and helps you understand why you will experience failure probably more than once before succeeding. Number 12, the belief deficit. The belief deficit. We spoke earlier about the brain as an energy hog, which was in number four. But in another sense, it's an energy miser. If you don't really believe that you can achieve something, anything, you are triggering an internal feedback loop that tells your brain to not allocate resources. Bottom line, if you don't believe that you can do it, you won't do it. Granted, simply believing that you can do something is absolutely no guarantee that you can. Belief is a requisite condition for achievement, not an exhaustive one. 
if you want your brain to put mojo in your resolve, you'd better believe that what you're doing is worthwhile. Number 13. We adapt to the consequences of quitting. Paul Bear Bryant, the storied football coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide, once said, The first time you quit, it's hard. The second time, it gets easier. The third time, you don't even have to think about it. If the bear had studied cognitive psychology, he'd have known that his wisdom isn't only colloquially satisfying, but scientifically valid. The reason is that we adapt to the sensation of quitting as much as we do anything else. And the more that we adapt, the less of the sensation we experience. Whatever external consequences of quitting we may face, the one that stings the most is the feeling of that internal sensation. For willpower to work, it's important that quitting doesn't lose its sting. Number 14, lack of feedback promotes apathy. Another reason to keep a few trusted others looped into your plans is that you'll receive feedback on how you're doing, if you seek it out. If, on the other hand, you choose to exercise your will in a vacuum, you'll lose on multiple fronts. Lack of perspective, lack of accountability, an ever-increasing sense of apathy about why you're even trying. Research also shows that if you wisely seek feedback, the faster you get it, the better. Because delayed feedback undermines performance. Get it fast and take it straight. Fifteen. Had a breath for a minute there. Woo! (laughs) Number 15. Imagined outcomes misdirect energy. Will pitted against rumination isn't a fair fight. Will doesn't stand much of a chance. Our capacity to overthink and drift into endless fields of rumination about the worst that could happen saps the will from our bones. Our bones are extremely threat-sensitive, which is inherently a good thing. But the more we ruminate about failure and loss, the more energy is diverted toward addressing that threat instead of achieving and overcoming. Will loses its edge before you realize that it's even gone. Number 16. Seduction of the chase obscures the goal. We intuitively know that the hunt, the biochemically fueled drive of our reward-seeking brains, is frequently more satisfying than getting whatever we've been hunting. The problem is that it's easy to lose sight of why we are doing something and, and what we're doing instead of becoming lost in the ephemeral fog of the chase. When you no longer understand or recall why you're on the path you started down, your willpower is derailed, direction is lost and not easily regained. Staying focused is essential for willpower to get you to the there that you were targeting. Number 17, the elusive loop of habit change. Trying to will yourself out of a bad habit is a classic tale of woe that we all know too well. The problem isn't that we lack will. It's that we lack the knowledge of how to apply it. As Charles Duhigg explains in his book, The Power of Habit, Habit change is a three-act play, a feedback loop that begins with a cue, leads to a routine, and ends with a reward. Smoking, as an example, starts with a cue of stress, leads to the routine of smoking to alleviate the stress, and in the end, the reward of reduced feelings of stress. Of those three things, the only one that you can really change is the routine. You will always experience stress, and you will always want that stress alleviated. The question is, what routine will get you there? 
Willpower can't stomp the routine out of existence, but it can help you replace it with another. Number 18. All will and no technique. The most willfully resolved person on the planet still needs a practice, a tested method of accomplishing or overcoming to achieve success. No one wills themselves into becoming a star athlete or top professional without paying heed to the best practices that direct their energy. Few people can sustainably lose weight and get in shape without a seasoned practice for getting there. Will may be the power, but it's nothing without the practice. Number 19. Moral licensing is a get-out-of-jail-free card. All of us live on a seesaw. If we don't do something, more, if we do something morally questionable, we feel a sense of balance restored if we then do something morally laudable. Psychologists call this moral licensing, and it's our endemic to our species. More to the point, it's a will-defeating dynamic because we can so easily adjust our standards to avoid necessity of having to exercise will. All of us would benefit from taking a hard look at our seesaw and whether or not we are sawing ourselves away from the ideal self that we are willing to become. And that's all. That's all of the perspective that I have for you tonight, me and partnered up with Forbes magazine. Uh, and just a couple things that I'm keeping in mind, because like I said, I, uh, I shoot for really big goals and then I find myself uh, losing that stamina or uh, as I'm sticking with the goal, I find myself getting discouraged if it's not how I planned it. But I also turn around and I think about the long-term success of the goal. I try to practice as many willpower um practices as I can as was mentioned there as far as like saying no to the birthday cake I'm telling you cake is my weakness a hundred percent uh if if it's real frosting that's the thing too if it's real frosting I'll eat the frosting by itself I wouldn't even need the cake you know uh cannolis I'm telling like that that is Anybody could like cannolis, but I feel like it runs through my blood. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, I, I have these and I, I, I think that everybody has their own their own weaknesses. And so hopefully this helped you today. I really wanted to let you guys in some of my more vulnerable areas uh, while I'm on this journey uh, because I have a lot of wins and that's wonderful, but I also have some challenges that I really wanted to put a microscope on in this season. And so hopefully you are relating to them as I am I am discussing them with you. Uh, at any rate, I hope that you uh, are able to share this, listen to it as many times as you need, practice, write them down, uh, and feel free to join me uh, Wednesdays and Saturdays, 8 a.m. Eastern. Until next time. Have an amazing morning, a wonderful afternoon, and a good night.